We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome to the Rotor Grinders Morning Grind Podcast. I'm your host, Stevie TPFL. It's Monday, it is September 25th, it is 2023. We are going to talk about the two-game football slate for Monday Night Football, the last two-game Monday Night Football slate that we have until week 14. And we'll talk about the three-game baseball slate as we kick off the last week of the regular season for baseball only three games, weird start time. The start time for baseball is like 9.30 on the East Coast. So a uh, very late start. And uh, yeah, so Keith, how are you doing? Week three NFL kind of in the books. I know the, the Steelers are playing as we're recording. Um, TC says all those Falcon running back props. Yeah, one of, Oof, one of the that things brutal. that I got wrong, Bijan was <laughs> one of them. Bijan and Kelly still had a, still had a decent day in football. Um, it was going to be a really bad day and then my my love for Thielen kind of saved me because he was one of my highest owned players on both sites and saved some teams to make it a slightly profitable day. Really good NASCAR day. Um, absolutely smashed the NASCAR race, even with my highest owned driver getting wrecked with 40 laps to go while leading the race. So um, and it wasn't he didn't get wrecked. He lost control of the car and wrecked. I, I don't want people to come at me because, um, yeah, he just. You lost control, but Keith, um, how was week three for you? Um, how are you doing? Breaking news, Stevie, your, your fins just scored another touchdown. <laughs> like what, what in the world, man, that offense looks absolutely unstoppable. No Jalen Waddle. They plug a chain right in and dude just goes berserk. The Denver defense is, is obviously pathetic as well, but the, the Dolphins offense like looks unstoppable. 
Um, good, good week overall for me. Um, another profitable one. I had a bunch of teams that I was close on. My biggest mistake was I played too much chalky Josh Kelly. Um, just dude doesn't have it. We need Eckler back on the field so we don't have to mess with him anymore. But I had a lot of feeling as well. A ton of Keenan Allen. People were all over Mike Williams because uh, he was so cheap. I, I made it a priority to spend up for Keenan Allen. Tried to jam in as much Jefferson and, and Tyreek as I could as well. Um, had a decent amount of Mostert. Was a nice little pivot there. Um, but yeah, good good day overall. Just didn't quite put everything together to get get to the top of anything. But solid solid profit again. That's three weeks in a row. Can't can't complain. Uh, shout out to Tim. Tasteful Tides had had a big takedown. I saw. Um, took down the 444 on, on DraftKings and, and a couple other. He had a, a huge day. Yeah, congratulations to Tim. Uh, very regular guest on the podcast. Uh, love seeing that. You know, the dude is a, a grinder and um, typically like a single entry guy. So I didn't I didn't see what he took down, but I assumed that it had potentially a single entry um, like thought on it. So congratulations to Travis Kelsey. Um you are the most popular person in the NFL. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so my wife is very much into the Travis Kelsey um, Tay Tay uh, <laughs> relationship. She's like, I can't wait to see the photos. I can't wait to see the photos. So, um, but yeah, really good day. Glad to see Tim have a big um, takedown. And um, and like I said, NFL solid. I just man, I nailed my wide receivers. Um, I think outside of like Mike Thomas, Mike Thomas and like Nico Collins were like two duds I had at wide receiver, but outside of that, man, um, just absolutely nailed wide receivers. Running backs was iffy, tight ends was kind of iffy for me. Um, I had a lot of Ertz and he just he stunk up the field, so um, played so a lot nice. of well, yeah, I played a lot of the popular well. chief ones, yep, yep, but. We have a two-game Monday night slate. So we're going to talk football first, and then we'll talk about the three-game baseball slate. Football kicks off at 7.30 or 7.15 Eastern. And then the um, baseball games, like I said, kick off at 9.30, 8 or something like that. So we'll talk football here first. Um, morning grind style. We're going to go game by game and break down each team like we normally do. Let's talk Philadelphia at Tampa Bay first. This game has a 45 total. Both of these games solid, by the way. Um, Philadelphia, four and a half point favorite. Looking at Philly first, two two really good run defenses so far through the first two games. I think this is going to be a game where we're going to see a lot of um, passing just in general. Boston Scott rolled out for Philadelphia. Gainwell um, back with the rim injury. We saw DeAndre Swift, you know, kind of do his thing last week. 28 carries, hundred and. It was 170 or 175 yards or something like that. He had a monster game against Minnesota. Uh, so let's just talk Philly first here. You know, obviously Gainwell coming back, 62% of the snaps week one. Um, how are we approaching Philadelphia this week? Yeah, I think the running back position is is really important here. I could see Swift getting a little bit popular. Um, he's been a dynamic pass catcher in, in his career, like with Detroit. That's the role that he had. With Gainwell back, I'm – a little bit concerned that Gainwell is the guy that's going to get the passing down work. Uh, he out-targeted um, Swift. He, he had four targets to Swift's three targets in the week one game that they played together. So I want the pass catching back here. You mentioned Tampa Bay's defense is, is really stout. I think Swift is going to be way more popular just because of the, the nuclear game uh, he had against Minnesota. 
I feel like he gets too much, too a little too chalky here um, in in a in a bad matchup for just the ground game. Um, I like the pivot to Gainwell. Um, I think Hertz is going to be the most popular quarterback. He is the only um, rushing quarterback on the slate. We love the floor there. Um, certainly stack him. It's going to be expensive. I don't think you're fitting in a double stack of like Hertz Brown and, and Devonta Smith is a little bit too expensive to fit in on when we don't have very many uh, value options. So probably a single stack on Hertz targeting that rushing upside and you're hoping that he runs one in. Um, that that will certainly be something I think I have a bunch of. Um, and the, the Philly defense, of course, in play as well against Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I mean, pretty straightforward offense. They looked at A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith as much as possible. They combined for 75% of the first look on dropbacks this season between the two of them. Um, so you know where you know where where Hertz wants to go with the ball as soon as he's you know dropping back to throw the football. He wants to go to Brown or Smith. I think they both have incredible ceilings. They have the same amount of target share. They were really, really close in routes. And Devontae Smith has come off the field maybe, I think it was like two snaps all season. So um, he's just, he's a stud. So yeah, just overall, um, I have a ton of interest in Hertz, Brown, Smith. Very, very slight interest in Goddard. Because I do think like he's going to be a pretty popular tight end play on this two-game slate just because like he has an established role. Um, we'll talk about the tight end on the other side of this game. I like him a lot here. Uh, as far as the running back situation goes, I, I really think it would be a 50-50 split. Um, I, they didn't get Penny involved in the running game last week, with, even with Scott banged up and Swift kind of doing his thing. They didn't get Penny involved until very late in that game um, when Scott was like fully off the field. Really feel like this is going to be a split backfield. Gainwell's cheaper if he's going to get the same kind of workload and potentially catching the ball in the backfield. But um, I don't we really don't have, have ownership. Like a... We don't have ownership up yet. Do, do you have similar thoughts that Swift is probably the more popular guy just oh, because of yeah yeah because Look of what last he week. just did yeah game log checkers yeah. just they're going to see he scored thirty fantasy points last week. Yep. So and that was a game that like. I mean, we were all watching that game. That was a fantastic game. That Philadelphia-Minnesota game was a fantastic game. So um, that's kind of it. Like I said, I don't have a ton of interest in Goddard. He just really hasn't been heavily involved here. 14% target share, just not really getting involved too much here. And I think, like I said, I, I think he projects as, like, what, the highest yeah, highest scoring tight end on the slate between the four guys that are expected to start. So, uh, Tampa side, hey, listen, don't look now, but like Baker Mayfield in the Tampa offense is kind of rolling, quietly rolling. Um, Philadelphia is a pass funnel defense. They want you to throw the ball on them. They have allowed 52 rushing yards per game through the first two games. They've allowed 340 passing yards per game. Um, they have been getting torched through the air and just absolutely dominating the run. And... I think Baker Mayfield is super playable today. 5,500, cheapest of the four quarterbacks. Love cheap quarterbacks when we have skill pay players to pay up for in this slate, and we have plenty of those. Um, so I have a ton of interest in Baker Mayfield. This might be a spot that I leave white on the table. I will say that like of the four, five, six potential running backs that are playable, he has probably the most upside out of the passing game. 
So like you could look at it that way for White. And then as far as the passing game, I mean Evans has been the main target here. I don't rule out Godwin. And I think Otten is a fantastic tight end play if you want to triple stack with um Mayfield in the spot. Going one of Evans and Godwin and then pairing it back with an Otten. Um also a spot that I think you could play Baker with Evans and Godwin. Um I think Tampa is one of those teams that I'll probably triple stack the most on this slate. Yeah, I, I love the Baker Mayfield call. Um, you just look back to last week on the two-game slate, what Squirrel Patrol did, playing Bryce Young just because he was the lowest-owned quarterback on, on the slate. I feel like Baker comes in here. It depends on Joe Burrow's status a little bit, obviously. Uh, but people are going to Stafford before they're going to Baker, in my opinion. So love that call. Philly, has has you've been able to pass on them, even though they have a, a great defense. Their receivers are really cheap too, and that's what makes this stack so attractive. Um, Evans is only sixty three hundred. Godwin at fifty seven hundred. I think Godwin is actually the guy I prefer in this spot. Um, seeing the targets as he always has, hasn't found the end zone yet, hasn't went over a hundred yards yet. So I, I think Godwin gets super involved here. Fifty seven hundred is just a really attractive price tag, and I love your Kate Otten call as well. Um, he's been involved six targets last week. Like he hasn't done a ton with them, hasn't found the end zone yet. But a guy that's involved, only three K. I'm I'm certainly interested in that. Like deep tournament throws, like we're gonna need some of those on this slate just to to differentiate some chalky lineups. Like Trey Palmer has some big play potential. He's that guy that can he's thirty one hundred. He could pay pay that off with one forty yard touchdown catch. Um, so he's a guy I would sprinkle in just a little bit. For what it's worth, too, um, on Otten. Just just this whole slate. So all all four teams um, looking at the whole slate as a, as a whole, he has the second highest snap percentage of any skill player on the slate. The only person that has played more snaps than him percentage-wise is Devontae Smith um, from the other side of this game. So just throwing that out there, uh, one of the reasons that I like him is he just he doesn't come off the field, and that equals opportunity. And I think he's cheap enough where, I mean, all he needs is a touchdown. And he's off to the races for you. You just need him to outscore Higby and Goddard. Um, I don't think we'll be really looking at the Cincinnati tight ends situation this week, but we'll talk about it in a minute. Let's go to that game. We got the Rams and the Bengals, 43 and a half total here. Cincinnati, a one point or one and a half point favorite. Um, you already mentioned it. Joe Burrow, the news that we're watching here, took first team reps in the walkthrough on Sunday. Fully expect him to play. By, for what it's worth. Um, I'd be shocked if he doesn't play. They're off to a terrible start. They need a W uh, bad to get on track. And um, if he can play, I feel like he'll be he'll be good to go. Let's talk uh, Rams first here. Uh, just a team that Stafford's getting hit a ton. Um, we'll, we'll start with the offensive line. Just They have been atrocious at blocking. Um, <laughs> just bad. So Stafford's, uh, Stafford's getting hit a bunch. Um, I will say like, Pressure-wise, pressure rate-wise, pressure rate Cincinnati ranks one of the lowest in the league. So maybe this is a spot that like Stafford has a little bit more time to throw. But, I mean, Puka, is he has a 45% first read percentage. Like Stafford snapping the ball, dropping back, and where is Puka? Um, so, I mean, we all like took a step back and after week one. We're like, all right, you know, was that a fluke? 20 targets. He has 35 targets through the first two weeks. He has 20 targets against the 49ers in week two. I think we can assume 
that until Cooper Cup comes back, he is going to be a very, very main focal point of this offense. Yeah, I mean, Nakua, like he's a guy that you can't fade right now, in my opinion. Um, it's Cooper Cup for 6,400. That's 3,000 at least, too cheap. Um, I don't see any reason the role would change. It's the same personnel. A little change at the running back position, but that, that really doesn't affect him much. And as far as Stafford goes, I feel like I can just play Puka and like you literally get half of Stafford's uh, production just by playing uh, Puka. So I, I think I'll have more Mayfield than, than Stafford. Uh, it, it's going to be an ownership play, but I feel like the field will gravitate towards Stafford. He's had a little bit more success. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I if, if Stafford gets popular, I'm, I'm comfortable going underweight on him, but still playing plenty of Puka. Tutu Atwell has had a very nice role as well. Um, 17 targets through two. It's no no Puka, but he is definitely the number two option in this offense. Um, still only 5K. Like all these guys are are underpriced. Um, if Higby is low owned, I don't mind taking a shot there. He he did see a better role in week two than than in week one. So certainly don't mind going back to that. I think double tight end is is viable on two game slates as well. Like the, it's not a very strong tight end slate. So maybe Tigby is a lower owned option in this in this offense. If I'm playing Stafford, certainly like double or tri- triple stacking is in play. And then we have to talk about the running back. Kyron Williams has looked amazing, um, taking over the role. He's found the end zone three times in two games. There's nobody to challenge him here, really. I don't I don't think like the, the backups aren't very talented. Williams is only 5,700 and, and should ha- have the lead role here. So he's going to be a very popular running back play, but just the volume that he's getting, I don't, I don't think I have any interest in fading him. No, I think he's the top running back play on the slate. And I think Mixon yep. is right there with him. And we'll talk about him in just a second. But um, I, where I don't necessarily love the running backs in the first game, I love the running backs in the second game. And I expect them to be you know somewhat popular in this spot just in general. So um but yeah, Puka, Tutu, Higby, all in play. Love the Williams call. 81% of the snaps attempting, you know, almost 50% of the, the rushing attempts for this team this season. And that number is a little lower because Akers was here um, and, and had some workload. But Akers is gone, and they are fully committed to Williams at this point. And like you said, I mean, like competition-wise, like this dude is set up to be a three-down back and – until like unless he gets hurt or something um i mean do we we really don't expect like royce freeman or ronnie Rivers. i don't even think freeman's up with the like team right now so like ronnie rivers is the potential backup here um yeah they did elevate freeman last week for whatever that's worth and with acres out of town i'm sure that, that he'll be active on game day um but like we know what royce freeman is there's no talent there there's no burst He's a guy that's been floating or like hanging on the edge of, of NFL rosters for like three years now. So, yeah, I love Williams. Um, like you said, it's hard to fade Puka, but everyone's kind of thinking that. So, like, if you're playing him, uh, you know, where are you going to get different um, is how you got to kind of think about that to yourself. Yep. Uh, other side of this game, Cincinnati. Um, I mean, obviously, we'll wait to see, like, if it's going to be Burrow or not and he's going to be playing or not. Um if he doesn't play, it's Jake Browning, right? Yep. Or yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They they just signed um, Will Greer off the street. I think like this week. So no, that was the Patriots actually. No, the Patriots Who's, signed Will Greer. Yeah. Who's yeah, even pretty... their third? It, it, it'll be Browning for sure. 
but I, I I'm with you. I think Burrow plays. Yeah, it would be Browning, but um, I think Burrow plays. Let's talk about this team. Um, I mean, the Rams defense hasn't been anything special to start the season, so I, I do think this is a, an interesting spot. They have been pretty good against the pass, so like maybe this is a spot where Burrow's kind of banged up and they lean on Joe Mixon. The running back slate's not the greatest anyway. Um, he doesn't have like direct competition. I mean, you know, you could potentially say like Chris Evans, but I, I mean, he's going to be back. He had a hamstring in, or something last week, missed the game. But I mean, Williams and, and Evans are there, but Mixon's going to play 70 plus percent of the snaps. Um, and with, with Burrow banged up, um, I, I think that's kind of where I lean is looking at Mixon. And then I will say like the passing game, Chase Higgins and Boyd, they, they run a lot of three wide receiver sets and all three of these guys are viable. Um, the tight end situation I think is Drew Sample is a guy that doesn't warrant a lot of targets. He's used a lot to like block. Um, and I mean, that's probably what he'll end up doing. Um, I just, I don't even think like I touched the tight end situation for Cincinnati. Like, uh, may, if I was going to play anybody, it'd be sample, but I'm not, I don't think I'm touching that. Irv Smith, like, has played like 65% of the snaps and he's run a route on 68% of the drop back. So, like, he does have a role to be filled. I just think they fill it with like getting Boyd more involved with Higgins and Chase more than anything else. So I had to look it up because I knew they just signed a quarterback. AJ McCarron is the name that That's I was looking for there. Yep. yep. That, I, like he he probably knows the system. He was with them a couple of years ago, wasn't he? Um, but that, I mean that I think he's just there for emergency insurance as as the number two guy. It, it'll be Browning if Burrow is out, but assuming that Burrow is in there, like the pass catchers are certainly where I'm looking. Mixon definitely in play. I, I like I want to find a secondary running back to play in this spot because they've been reluctant to give Mixon all of the passing work in the last couple of years, but it seems like they just don't trust any of these guys. Um, Evans missed last week. I kind of thought he would be the guy that had the passing game role. Uh, Will, Trevion Williams played last week and only had two targets, so it just it feels like Mixon's going back to that workhorse type role. Sixty three hundred for that role is is very intriguing. Um, so yeah, he he's certainly in play. I think that's where I would look first, but you can't deny the talent at the wide receiver position. Chase and Higgins have immense upside. Um haven't seen that that nuclear game from Jamar Chase. Have to see what the ownership looks like, but like if people are playing the Eagles guys and leaving Chase on the shelf in this one, it's certainly a spot that I would be very interested in. Um but again, I'm probably going to play the ownership game with the top tier of wide receivers. Um, if AJ Brown comes in super chalky and chases very low owned, then I probably end up with quite a bit of Jamar Chase. Higgins certainly in play, still too cheap for for what he's capable of coming off of a huge game against Baltimore. 12 targets. Look like he's a wide receiver one. If this offense starts clicking, like these guys have just enormous ceiling. Boyd had a nice role last week as well. He's still only 3,500. I, I think Boyd may be somebody that I incorporate quite a bit. He's not a guy that a ton of people like to play. It seems like he usually comes in lower owned. Um, like the ceiling is not necessarily there, but if he if he's going to get eight targets again, certainly interested in that for thirty five hundred. I'm completely with you on the tight ends. Like they're not really pass catchers. They're they're more blocking guys. 
Um, I'll definitely, I like Otten and, and Goddard seem like much better bets. And even Higby. Yeah, Higby too. Um, I mean, I think Boyd kind of fits into that role where they use him a little bit more this week because Irv Smith is out. And, you know, maybe that's the guy that benefits the most from Irv Smith being Love out that of this call. game. So, yeah. Um, and like you can play Boyd and just leave salary on the table and not like try to make yes. your lineup weird. Um, so, yeah, very interesting little two game slate. Much better, I feel like, than last week's two game slate. Um, yeah, two game slate, you can always do weird things like, like leave a couple thousand dollars on the table. Um, playing your playing several offensive players against your defense is something that I always make sure to do. If you're building a, a lineup script in, in lineup HQ, make sure you you bump that offense versus defense number up because I believe it, it defaults to zero and you definitely don't want it at zero on, the, on these types of slates. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yep. Um, I just I plug in my defense last and like whatever I have money wise. I don't even care. Like I could I could literally have Tampa defense against Hertz because I don't care. Yep. Um, I, I think defense is so random anyway. And I think that it's even more random on a four game slate with four. I mean, four really solid offense. I know. Listen, Cincinnati, they're like graded as one of the worst offenses so far this season. They're going to get rolling. Let's yeah. be honest. They're going to get rolling. So Way too much talent here. All right, we got baseball. Hey, you know, baseball season's still going. Um, you know, this is that last week of the regular season. So it will be a week that we're obviously talking a lot more about, um, you know, standings and where everybody's at. We're going to be talking about some call-ups, um, some people that are trying to prove themselves, all kinds of stuff here down the stretch. But, um, you know, looking at it, through the weekend, we got Rays and Orioles. They're still clinched for the wild card. Baltimore gained a couple games on the Rays here over the weekend, so they're two and a half games up uh, for the AL East. AL Central clinched. Minnesota Twins have clinched the AL Central, and the AL West is wide open. Um, Rangers, Astros, Mariners, very important series that we're going to talk about here in just a minute with Houston in Seattle. Um, huge series there, so um national league wise braves 100 wins congratulations to braves fans that team looks like it's going to be incredible for the next 10 years um what a job by the the management team but they've obviously clinched the nl east they're a couple games up on excuse me they're a couple games up on the dodgers for best in the um, nl best in baseball too they're a couple games up on baltimore for that 
And then the NL Central, um, the Brewers have clinched a wild card, and I think they need one more game to beat the Cubs. One more game, and I think it's over as far as, like, the Brewers would have to lose out, and I think the Cubs would have to win out um, for the Cubs to have a chance to win the NL Central. And then um, the Dodgers clinched the NL West. So um, as someone that has the Giants over 77 and a half wins, I need one more win. Just one. <laughs> um <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, that kind of um, updates that as far as wild card stuff. That's a lot more where the playoff picture is right now. Um, watching some of this wild card stuff play out, um, you know, obviously Tampa looks really good. Um, they're in. Yeah, they've already clinched the wild card. So the American League wild card right now, Tampa's clinched, and it's Toronto, Houston, Seattle fighting for that two of those three spots that are left. So, uh, like I said, Houston Seattle series that we're going to talk about here uh, early this week, huge series uh, for playoff stuff. So, um, the NL side, the uh, Philadelphia Phillies are like I think they're one or two games away from clinching a wild card spot, so they're really close. And then Arizona and Chicago are neck and neck. Arizona's up a half a game right now on Chicago, and then Miami and Cincinnati are the other two teams that still remotely have a chance. Technically San Diego and San Francisco could win out and, you know, some wild stuff could happen where other teams lose out to potentially make it. But um, mathematically San Diego and San Francisco are still alive. So um, that updates the playoff stuff. We'll be talking about it all week. Um, Not like my favorite week of the baseball season, but like when we get into this weekend, that's when it gets really fun when you have teams like that. are There's a lot of teams that are like still fighting for stuff where I feel like last year we got to this point where like it's pretty much set. So um, a lot a lot more fun this year when it comes to the playoff stuff. So, yeah, let's talk baseball. Um, like I said, four ga- three games slate, four games total Arizona and New York um, playing that early, early game. We get started with Texas Adelaide taking on the Angels. Nine total in this game. The Rangers, a 180 favorite. Gray and Sandoval facing off against each other. John Gray is 6,400. Only threw uh, 40 pitches last time out. Um, It wasn't good. It was ugly. Boston was beating him up pretty bad. Um, They ended up, I think, coming back and beating Boston by a lot in that game. But anyway, um, John Gray... Has been awful recently. The Angels lineup is awful. Um, I think a lot of ownership on Blake Snell, and I think you should. Like, he should be the first guy in your lineup today. But what are your thoughts here on John Gray? Yeah, it's been a very rough patch here for for John Gray. Um, He's given up at least three three earned runs in, like, his last six starts. They've had an extremely quick hook with him as well, and, and rightfully so. They're they're fighting for the the ALS title, like you mentioned. So, I, I fear that that same extremely quick hook is coming. If he's not having success, they're going to have no problem yanking out yanking him out of this game and, and going to a long man. So, like I don't think anyone's going here though is my only thing, and I feel like if he's if he's going well, he can throw ninety to hundred pitches. Um, so the upside for 6,400 is intriguing. It's going to be an ownership thing for me. Um, this angels lineup, like you mentioned is, is very bad. Uh, Otani's out, out the door. Trout announced not coming back. Like there's, there's nobody left here. Rendon's out for the season. Like 
I think I think I it's viable to take some shots just because of the price. Like more than likely, he gives up a few runs and he throws sixty to eighty pitches, and it doesn't work out. But I, I think it's a three game slate, and you need to find a way to get different. Blake Snell is going to be mega chalk, paying up for Castillo or Verlander is going to be the other popular method. Um, I think some shots on John Gray and just hoping, like those other two guys have have tougher matchups. They're they're twice they're two thousand and almost three thousand more. So I think I think taking some shots on Gray is viable. Not comfortable though. Oh no, nothing comfortable about it. Um, <laughs> like this is a guy his strikeout rates down almost five percent from last season to this season. Um, his strikeout rate has been up a little bit here recently, but he honestly hasn't been pitching as much. Like like Keith kind of pointed out, um, been absolutely getting shelled. This is one of those things, like one of the things about like some of these teams being in it and being very close is like if a pitcher like John Gray gets in trouble, like you said, they have no problem hooking this guy really early. Um, every game matters for Texas right now. They're in the driver's seat in this division, and every game matters. This offense is awful. Um, I could see John Gray putting up like 15 to 20 points with Castillo and Verlander facing off against each other. I'm not playing Patrick Sandoval on the other side of this game. So I just think that like on two pitcher sites, he's viable. He's okay. He's okay. He's okay on a three game slate. Um, I just said it. I'm not, I'm not touching Patrick Sandoval. I think this is a really tough spot for Sandoval. Um, his control issues could be a huge problem for him against this patient offense. Um, yeah, no, no interest for me in Patrick Sandoval today. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. They're, I just don't see the upside against this Texas offense. They're elite now that they're are back healthy. Um, yep. Like with Jung back in the lineup it, it, and Garcia missed some time there. They were struggling for, for a good stretch, a couple, three weeks or so. They're back on track now. Uh, they're one of the top offenses in baseball. Sandoval has had a, a down season. I, I'd rather take shots on Gray than, than Sandoval. Yeah, they have that luxury of like, Given low the day off and get into Ran or Grossman in there to you know give them two two more strong right-handed hitters. Um, yeah, just overall, um, just a really tough spot overall for Patrick Sandoval. So looking at the Texas bats, um, you mentioned Jung and Garcia, fantastic options here against the lefty. Definitely a team I'm considering stacking. Like the bullpen has been awful for the Angels here, and I think that this is a spot. If Sandoval struggles with command, they're going to put it on him. Um, if he starts walking three or four guys, this is a Texas team that can really start putting it on him. Um, he he only threw like two or three innings against Texas earlier this year because he was walking a ton of people. I think he walked like six guys. So um, just, yeah, very interested in Texas bats here. Yeah, the, one of the, if not the t- top stack on the slate. I mean, the, I think they have the best matchup on the slate. Like we have pretty talented pitching on this slate despite there only being three games so texas is for me in the best spot and i think you can play you can go really deep on this lineup i don't i don't mind grossman against lefties and leody Tavares has been very good against lefties so if if you wanted to start at the bottom and and wrap it around i'm perfectly fine with that they probably gained some popularity it's only three games so we're looking for ways to get different the bottom of the texas order is very much in play both of the catchers are down there as well so I love the love this matchup for them. Like I mentioned, an elite offense in baseball. So top stack on the slate for me. All right, moving on. Oh, do you have any interest in the Angels bats? My bad. 
yeah, I mean, we we bash on him a little bit because there's not a ton of talent in this lineup, but John Gray has had a, a ton of struggles here recently. He hasn't been striking out a ton of guys. Like, I think he can take some shots here. Um, maybe more of a three-man just because I like I don't see the Angels just going off and being the highest scoring team on the slate. But I guess if John Gray has his typical struggles, maybe maybe that that upside is is raised. Um, Ohapi at catcher, I think, is is one of my favorite options. Uh, Chanel, first baseman, still cheap, certainly in play. Mustakas has been been okay. He like they're they're really cheap. So if you're trying to double pay up for pitching, I, I certainly don't mind um, three of these Angels bats. Full stack because of the matchup, I suppose, is in play. Um, but I think I'd rather take a chance on on one of the more elite offenses in in better, in worse matchups rather. Yeah, I mean, for me on the Angels, I think you want to see what the lineup looks like um, because I mean, there's been so many moving pieces in this lineup. I, I think like I just I look for power, right? I look for Mike Mustakis, um, Joe Adele, like just guys that have that like home run upside. Um, Grichik hitting leadoff, I don't necessarily hate that. Uh, Brent Phillips, if he's in there, he'll probably hit towards the bottom of the order. He won't have a ton of ownership. Um, at 2,400, like this is a dude that he's got a chance to play. And, you know, what better to try to like try to get yourself a lineup spot somewhere next year than like finishing the last week of the season really strong? So, um, at one point, Brett Phillips was a really talented like prospect that was talked about a lot. And um, just could be a good spot for someone like that. Like, that's what we're looking for this week, like this week of the season. Jared Walsh, guys like that. Joe Adele, like he's had opportunities. He needs to prove himself. Big power. Like, just attack these guys. If John Gray is struggling, I could see like two or three of these guys working out here. Houston at Seattle, game of the day. Obviously, three games late, so it's not saying much, but seven total. Seattle, a slight 120 favorite, pretty much a pick them everywhere. Um, Verlander and Castillo, two studs on the hill. I mean, my initial thought, Keith, is big game Verlander here. Um, 8,500, and Seattle is a team that is beatable when you can attack them. And even with Jer- Justin Verland struggles, um, Verlander struggles this year, like he can still attack offenses. Like, I, I think this is going to be one of those spots we just see. Verlander show up and have a big game. Man, I'm I'm on the same boat. And I think this is going to be a huge decision point on the slate. I think Blake Snell is going to be an extremely po- popular option. And then people are going to figure out a way to get in one of these two guys. Like hearing you say, like, I feel like maybe Verlander picks up quite a bit of ownership here in this spot. And then we have to make a decision on what to do. But I'm I'm with you. Like I feel like he steps up here. Like he's back in Houston where he, where he's comfortable. He's been pitching really great. They haven't really extended him much. Um, but Verlander's a guy we know can go out there and throw 110, 115 pitches. They're fighting for a division, trying trying to improve their playoff seating. I wouldn't be surprised if he has an extremely long leash if things are going very well here. Seattle is a team that that strikes out a bunch as well. So I love the ceiling for Verlander. He's not 10K anymore. He's only 8,500. I noticed the the pitching pricing on the slate is very soft, and it's probably just because it's a three game slate. But even Blake Snell is is really cheap. But 8,500 for Verlander. I don't need nine or ten strikeouts at that price. Um, but I do think he has that type of upside here in this matchup against Seattle. And again, if he's pitching well, I could see Houston just letting him go seven eight innings in 110 pitches in this spot, uh, just trying to secure the win. 
Yeah, so, I mean, you mentioned that, like, pitching pricing is soft. It is definitely one of those slates where you're just – you're trying to nail the two highest-scoring pitchers. You're not worried about, oh, this guy has this amount of value, X amount of value. Like, you're going to be able to do a lot of whatever you want with your bats and your hitters. It's a soft pricing slate. There's Monday Night Football with two games, and, I mean, we're we're getting a pretty soft pricing slate overall. I mean, some of the hitters as well um so yeah i mean i think this is a great spot for verlander i think verlander snell is the chalk combo on like DraftKings, um which makes luis castillo very interesting to me like he is someone that is extremely talented he's been pitching phenomenal um over his last five games he has at least 25 fantasy points in i think six of his last seven five of his last six or something like that it's it's a good number I think he's the lower owned of the three studs and I could see playing him over Snell or Verlander. Um, I think we're all going to agree. Blake Snell is the guy today. So maybe you're looking at Castillo over Verlander. Like this is an extremely tough matchup. Um, No one's going to tell you the Astros matchup is easy. They're back to their Astro ways of their strikeout rates under 20%. They put the ball in play. They walk a ton. Like you don't want to typically play pitchers against the Astros, especially righties. But it's a it's a three game slate. Yeah, extremely difficult matchup. But three game slate is is exactly right. Like we can't just play Snell and Verlander in every single lineup and expect to win a tournament. Um, so looking for pivots, I think Castillo makes a ton of sense. It's it, like it's a poor strikeout matchup, but if, if Verlander gives up four runs or something like that, you don't need him to, to have a massive game. You just need him to outscore Verlander is is basically the thing. I, I think there's a, a great chance Sandoval and Gray both give up runs as well. So if, if Castillo's the second highest scoring pitcher on the slate, you're you're looking pretty good, even if he doesn't have that that great of a game. Like I think you could you could settle for 15 to 20 points here if that's the second highest scorer on the slate. So Definitely in play. You know he has a, a super long leash. Um, he he should get a hundred pitches in this spot. They they should ride with their their stud like Seattle fighting for that that AL West as well. So a game that they care about, a game they want to win. Castillo has had success in big games before. Um, definitely think it's it's a solid pivot. All right, let's talk about bats. I think this is a game that has the most upside for bats, but also going to have the lowest ownership for bats, um, if that makes any kind of sense. Seven total compared to the other two games. Um, I don't think we have a total up yet for the San Francisco game, but I expect that total to be better, higher than seven. Um, Houston, like I said, like I was just talking about as far as like Castillo is concerned, like this is a team that walks a lot. They put the ball in play a lot. They don't strike out. They have power, you know, it's a tough lineup to face and they're expensive, but like, I think like you can still make any kind of stack you want work with good pitching today because of pricing. What are your thoughts on the Astros bats? Yeah, I, I think I prefer the other side. Um, just because like when I'm pivoting to Castillo, I like, I don't know. It like the pricing is, is tough on Houston a little bit. And like, this is probably a slate that I'm not, I'm I, like, I'm generally a five, three stack as much as I can. I, I'm okay with a, a five and three one offs as well. Maybe on this slate, I'm not quite five man stacking just because of the way it works out. And we have these match. Like, I don't think Houston's going for six runs off of Castillo. Maybe they get there off of the bullpen, but Seattle's bullpen is really good as well. 
so Houston, it's it's going to be an ownership play. You're you're going to be targeting a low owned Alvarez and Tucker first, I think. Um, I don't know if I would full stack them just because Castillo is so good, but I mean, I I suppose there's a path. I think that I just keep it to three man for Houston though, um, and and I play quite a bit of Castillo. I think is how how I handle the slate though. Just first look. We were talking about how you could get different with the two game football slate. I think even on this three game baseball slate, like you could take one or two hitters against your pitcher. I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, again, this is one of those slates when you're looking at the pitchers and you're going, I want the two highest scoring guys point per dollar. It doesn't matter. I want the two highest scoring guys. I don't think any of these guys are perfect today. Maybe Blake Snell would be the closest thing to like this guy shuts down this offense. Um, but that, I mean, that's just because the Giants have been awful against lefties and he is trying to win the Cy Young. So, um, but yeah, overall um, for Houston, definitely don't mind, you know, targeting some of these power bats today. Seattle, um, they're cheap. Like I, I get that they're facing Verlander, but like outside of like Julio Rodriguez, everybody else is under 4,500. Um, and I think the natural pivot, like you said, is Castillo off of Verlander and then, you know, potentially taking some of the Seattle bats against Verlander and just hoping that he doesn't have it today. Yeah, that's the build that makes a ton of sense to me. Like if I'm not playing the chalk pitcher combination, like if I'm playing for Verlander to fail anyway, I might as well stack a couple of bats up against them. So I think that would be my preferred build rather than trying to find Houston putting up a bunch of runs against Castillo. Stacking up these Seattle, this Seattle offense is my preferred route. For one, they're they're a lot cheaper, like you mentioned. Um, we've got like Suarez down here at thirty nine hundred, Kalnick at, at thirty seven hundred. Um, those are probably my two favorite price adjusted. Um, Julio is is still an elite price, sixty three hundred. Tay Oscar has a a ton of power at forty four hundred. Cal Raleigh power at the catcher position. Like they're just the way the Seattle stack sets up, they're they're cheap um, at the bottom, and Raleigh at the catcher position it has a lead upside. I think stacking up in Seattle here, and, and as a way to differentiate as well with as popular as, as we think Verlander might get, um, stacking up Seattle is a great way to to get different. All right, San Diego at San Francisco, no total in this game. Um, I mean. Snell against it sounds like Logan Webb will be pitching for the Giants today. Um, Blake Snell. I mean, we kind of alluded to it. Like, if I build three teams, I might play him on all three today. Um, I just I don't see the reason to not play him today outside of ownership, but I, I mean he should he should be the highest scoring pitcher on the slate. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a phenomenal pitcher in a phenomenal matchup. San Francisco strikes out a ton. Blake Snell has one of the highest strikeout rates in the league. He's only ninety six hundred. It's not going to be difficult to fit him in. We just talked about how cheap Seattle is. If you want to go that route, even Texas has some cheap options that I like at the bottom of the order. 
it's going to be easy to fit him and even one of Verlander or Castillo, whichever your pre- preference is there. Um, if I, however many lineups I, I was making on the slate, Blake Snell would be a lock button for me. I will, I will say one way, like in a large field tournament to get very different on the slate. Like if you're playing 5,000 plus entry tournament and you want to get different on this slate giants bats with Verlander and Castillo is not going to be owned. And it is the ultra contrarian. It's not the smartest play in the world on paper, but like if you want to, if you want to build that, like nobody else is on, it makes some little bit of sense to be like, I'm going to play the other two pitchers on the slate that are very talented. Hope that that's like a one nothing game and that Blake Snell just doesn't have it. He should be the highest scoring pitcher on the slate. He has been pitching phenomenal. He's gone over a hundred pitches in four of his last five games. He has at least eight strikeouts in six straight games, seven of his last nine. Um, yeah. He wants that Cy Young um, for a guy that like, can just get really wild and struggle from time to time. It's the only reason that I say like maybe just to be like that Uber contrarian build. Um, you know, that's it. That's the only reason. Um, Logan Webb, other side of this game. I mean, I think Logan Webb's somewhat interesting from a tournament perspective on the slate, just because like the Padres been have been hit or miss this season. Is this a spot we take a shot on Logan Webb because it's a three-game slate and we don't have a ton of options elsewhere? I think I prefer to build heavy with whichever of Verlander Castillo is less popular. Um, like I just the strikeout upside isn't there. San Diego doesn't strike out a ton. San Diego's also been really hot. Once they got eliminated eliminated from the playoffs, San Diego remembered how to hit the baseball again. Um so this is not not a great matchup. They they're very patient. They don't strike out very much. The other thing though is Webb struggles with lefties a lot more than he does with righties, and San Diego can't get very left handed on him. Um, I mean he, he's in play. I think you're probably playing the top four guys on this slate, unless like if, if you're only building three lineups, maybe maybe you leave Webb out. But he, he's certainly in the conversation. I'm a little bit worried about the upside, but he, it's not like he's expensive. He's 7,900. That's a, a very clear SP2 price. Um, you you just have to hope that that Castillo and, and Verlander don't put up really solid performances. Um, but you look, you love the leash, you love the ballpark. It's the strikeout upside and and the dangerous Padres bats are the are the thing. All right, um, Padres bats here. I mean, talent wise, they're a phenomenal stack. Just looking at the lineup, um, they they've been one of the most disappointing teams I think all season. What are your thoughts here on the Padres? Yeah, I mean, they they have been hitting better recently, as I mentioned. Um, but they, they're really expensive. Like I think I'd rather take shots on Houston before, before I went the San Diego route, just Webb's still a really strong pitcher. Um, just, he's more of a ground ball guy than a strikeout guy, which is why I prefer to play the other two. Um, but Webb himself is, is excellent. Um, again, I think this is, this falls into the same bucket as Houston for me. I'm fine playing a couple of these guys. I just don't think like Webb's not a guy I want a full stack against. He, he generates a ton of ground balls. He has great control, um, tough ballpark here. So 
two or three of them I'm totally fine with. Um, I think Soto is in this spot, like I've talked about the lefties, Kim has had a phenomenal season. Um, he has some stolen base upside as well. Those are, those are probably my two favorites, but if you, if you want to go full stack, like there's obviously tons of talent on in this lineup. Um, I, I kind of said like the giants bats don't make a lot of sense here whatsoever. Um, the only thing that makes sense is like, you just get a really bad Blake Snell game and they beat him. That's the only reason I think you're playing giants today. Yeah, you certainly, I don't like, Snell's not a guy I try to hunt home runs off of. Snell is a guy you stack against because of those control issues. Like that walk rate is still sky high. Um, He always seems to find his way out of it. It's because of his elite strikeout ability. Um, Yeah, like the Giants are, are not a fun team to stack either because of the pinch hit stuff. I don't know how many lefties are in the San Diego bullpen. That's something I would definitely check on before, before lock here because there's always going to be pinch hit risk with the giants, but it, it's just the, it's the game theory aspect of this. Like you were talking about would be the only argument you can make here. All right. Let's play the morning grind game. We're going to play an abbreviated morning grind game today. Um, give me any picture of the six pitchers you think are, that's going to get six or more strikeouts today. Any pitcher, any pitcher. Well, I mean, Blake Snell. <laughs> well, I mean, if you want to take it, that's fine. I'll go Verlander. <laughs> I, Any pit- I think I think John Gray has an outside chance to get six strikeouts. That I, that's the guy I was going to go with when I thought we were going to play by original rules. Um, but I mean, obviously, Blake Snell has hit like Gray's strikeout props probably going to come out at like four and a half. Uh, but I think he legitimately has a chance to get six. Uh, any pitcher to score under 15? Who's your bust today? Man, give me, I won't go Sandoval, obvious. That's the obvious one. I will go with Webb. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to go John Gray just because, like, he has been pitching awful. And I think, like, the Angels are interesting i mean john gray has given up at least one home run in five straight games so like i think the angels are a way you could potentially get different um you are going to get texas bullpen really early if they start pounding john gray but i mean at that point you hope your damage is done over 4k to hit a home run today who's going yard um give me let's see here Give me Suarez to take Verlander deep. Oh, I like it. He um, not, he's not even over 4K, actually. But Oh, well, you can't take sticking it. Sticking with it. <laughs> no. Against the rules. Uh, all right, yeah. fine. We'll, then we'll Jordan. let it stick. Oh, right, there you go. I mean, now you could just say him for your two hits. But um, I'll go I'll go Josh Jung to hit a home run today. I like the spot for him. Under 4K to get two hits. Who's a cheap bat that you like? Give me uh, Leody Tavares for Texas. All right. I'm going to go uh, Brent Phillips. I don't know when the last time he had a two-hit game was. Oh, actually, September 13th, not too long ago. Like, this is a guy that, I mean, this is your opportunity, man. Take advantage of it. Uh, stack to score six or more runs today. Uh, Texas is, is the top spot on the slate for me, for sure. I'm going to go Angels. I think I'm going to build a Angels-Texas game stack with um either verlander or castillo and snell and 
just let a single entry rip on the slate. Um, that's that's kind of where I'm at build wise. Um, just looking at the slate overall. So, Keith, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Baseball season winding down. Yeah, what a week, week and a half left is all. So enjoy it while it lasts. Heading to some playoffs and enjoy the football as well. Yeah, playoff baseball is just not like playoff basketball to me for DFS. Like I love playoff basketball for DFS. Playoff baseball is just so tough uh, because like pitchers get in trouble and you get bullpen. You get like yep. the the fourth or fifth starter um, coming in and working a long period and pitching well. And playoff baseball is tough. So enjoy the last week here. Um, and still plenty of contests out there. Plenty of content coming here from Rotor Grinders. Um, we got you guys covered. Hope everyone has a fantastic Monday. We'll be back tomorrow talking baseball. Good luck, everyone. We'll see you then.